This lump of goo between my ears has been with me a long time. And one thing I've learned about it, my brain is not always right. I don't mean to make it sound like I'm at war with my brain, or that it's faulty. It's not that at all. I love my brain, but I recognize that it is so imperfect. It's definitely not always right. And I'll be blunt, your brain, it's not perfect either. So we're in this boat together. For better or worse, the brain you have is the brain you're going to have for the rest of your life. So let's make this partnership work as smoothly as we can. Your brain produces thoughts. What we don't want to do is assume that our thoughts are always correct or just take them as facts. It's a healthy, necessary skill to be able to look at our own thinking and think critically. Just like you might read a headline on the internet, but want to check if that's really true. The headline might say, Woman on Safari Swallowed by Giraffe. And you might read that and think, Holy snot, who knew giraffes could eat humans? That poor woman. Does traveler's insurance cover being eaten by a giraffe? I mean, I've always wanted to go to Africa, but not if there are people eating giraffes. Plus lions, hyenas. Okay, I'm pretty much scratching Africa from my places to travel. So because of that one headline that you believed, you could miss out on amazing travel memories. Giraffes, of course, do not eat people. They're herbivores. They eat leaves, twigs, and other plant matter. They especially eat acacia leaves. And in zoos, they also tend to get carrots and hay to round out their diets. How do I know this? I looked it up. The evidence says giraffes are not people eaters. So I can assume this headline is not true, at least not at face value. Maybe there was some weird scenario that the author twisted into the story of a woman being swallowed by a giraffe. Like maybe a giraffe swallowed a woman's ring or something, and they're spinning it into a more dramatic headline so people click on it. After all, drama's interesting. Your brain isn't so goal-oriented about getting clicks, but it's quite capable of taking a tiny bit of information and spinning it into a bigger, more dramatic story. Or it can even create a story from no evidence at all by the magic of jumping to conclusions. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating Podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. Someone fell asleep in the lecture I just gave. My talk must have been terrible. That guy didn't call me back after our first date. I'm not pretty enough. Oh man, I've got this terrible headache. Oh god, it's brain cancer. See what I mean? Those magician brains of ours can really jump to conclusions. And those thoughts are three perfect examples. None of them are necessarily true. The reality is, college students fall asleep in classes all the time. And that's because they stay up late and are generally underrested. It really doesn't mean anything about the quality of the lecturer. There are also dozens of reasons a person might choose not to continue dating another, assuming that it's appearance-related is completely baseless. And assuming you have brain cancer, a very scary thought, just because your head hurts is a really big leap, when it's easily related to being dehydrated, 
looking at a screen too long, or even clenching your own teeth. Potentially because you are worried about your lecturing quality, or the guy that didn't call you back. Sometimes, of course, our brains are correct, and they're reasonably accurate a lot of the time. Let's say you're out for a hike, and you come upon a beautiful frozen lake. Your brain says, the ice looks rather thin. Let's stay on the shore and not walk on it. I'll just admire it from here. That's not a biased or exaggerated thought. It's not a false headline. It's actually not a good idea to walk on thin ice. Your brain's keeping you safe. Good job, brain. But if your thoughts sound more like, my friends will probably want to walk out on the ice, and then I'll look like a wuss. I should just stay quiet and see what they say. Hopefully they don't want to venture out. But I really don't want to walk on the ice, and if they do, oh, I'm going to feel like a loser, and they won't like me anymore. They'll tell everyone I'm no fun, and not worth being friends with. Georgie ruined another hike. Okay, here, our brain is not doing such a good job when it comes to being accurate. These thoughts include name-calling or labeling, like wuss, loser, jerk. These thoughts also include fortune-telling, which is declaring what other people will do and say as if I know the future, when none of that has happened and might not happen. I also threw in something called personalization, which is blaming yourself for something you are not entirely responsible for. Did you catch that? If somebody doesn't have fun on our hike, it's my fault? Labeling, fortune-telling, and personalization are three types of cognitive distortion. When we think in these ways frequently, as a habit, it can lead to spending more of our time feeling upset, nervous, anxious, and depressed. Distorted thoughts can squash our glimmers of hope and self-belief. They can create phantoms of doom and gloom, bad luck, and imaginary faults which follow us around. The good news is all of this is fixable. I'm going to take several episodes after this one, and we'll go through several types of cognitive distortion in detail. We'll practice spotting them, and then the good part, how to shift them into more true, helpful thoughts. I know some people out there are thinking, okay, but what do cognitive distortions have to do with emotional eating or binge eating? They have everything to do with emotional and binge eating. Here's how they're involved. First, cognitive distortions typically play a role in connecting the urge to binge eat or emotionally eat with the choice to actually begin doing it. Distorted thoughts are part of the launch sequence, you could say. The idea of eating a lot of food isn't itself compelling, but it's sabotaging thoughts which are kind of like little lies that nudge you into doing it by saying, it's a good idea, it will help you feel better, that you won't do it again, that it will give you the rest and comfort you need, and that you deserve it. They say you're going to fail at being healthy anyway, so why bother trying? When we improve these thought patterns to remove the distortions, the idea of binge eating or emotionally eating isn't as attractive it's more like an idea you can just kind of pass on. Imagine what that would be like for just a second. How amazing would it be to be able to say, yeah, I could, but I don't really feel like it, when the idea of raiding the pantry pops up? No war? 
it could be just as easy as saying, yeah, we could get Chinese food tonight, but I don't really feel like it. How about Indian? You could pass on it without a struggle. It wouldn't be so appealing, so it wouldn't be so hard to resist. Second, aside from linking food urges to taking action on them, cognitive distortions increase the intensity of negative emotions. So instead of feeling disappointed for a few minutes after a friend canceled plans with us, and then going back to normal, distorted thinking could lead to us spending the entire day under the covers, completely demoralized. Of course, intense emotional suffering is directly linked to binge eating and emotionally eating. But it's also harmful because it costs us confidence, hope, and the motivation to get out and try things, like visiting Africa. If we believe false things that tell us we're in danger or that things will go badly, we don't want to try new things. When much of our lives is filled with worry, shame, or guilt, it's hard to live in line with our values. We spend so much of our energy trying to cope with and comfort ourselves from the pain that we can't proactively include more meaningful things in our lives or take the best care of our health. Changing unhelpful thought patterns into more adaptive habits is something I work with almost every client on. It might be one of the most life-changing transformations they experience, because it not only lets people change their eating habits, but it helps them get out of the way of their own happiness. This week, I'd like you to listen to your own thoughts. And specifically, I want you to look out for two things, fortune-telling and mind-reading. Fortune-telling is arbitrarily predicting that things are going to turn out badly, and then believing that as an established fact. Mind-reading is assuming you know what someone else is thinking without bothering to check. I'll give you some examples, so you know what these might sound like. No one will like me. You might catch this fortune-telling thought when you get invited to a party. And where does it lead you? Well, the first effect is that your mood goes down. You either go to the party, but since you've predicted that you'll be rejected by everyone there, you feel awkward and you don't want to engage in much conversation. You gravitate toward the bowl of M&Ms, and you avoid contact with everybody, eating and eating until the bowl's empty. Or, as a result of thinking no one will like me, and the immediate lower mood you experience, you might just decline the invitation. It's easy enough to come up with an excuse of why you can't go, and then you spend the night at home with the cat watching Downton Abbey. You try not to think about the party, but every hour or so you remember your friends are all there and you wonder what they're doing. You can kind of hear them laughing in your imagination and you kind of feel like a loser for staying home. The thought that started it all, no one will like me, is classic fortune-telling. I'll make a fool of myself is another. On to mind-reading. This can sound like, they think I'm stupid. He's disappointed in me. She doesn't want to be friends anymore. If someone has said, I don't like you, then it's not mind-reading to think, she doesn't like me. But just because somebody may be quieter than usual, or avoid eye contact, or seem in a hurry to get going somewhere, none of those things mean, I don't like you. So you're jumping to a conclusion and engaging in mind-reading if you start to think they don't like you. 
do what you can to notice if you're fortune telling or mind reading this week. If you can, write down any examples that you catch. Don't worry about changing the thoughts. Just notice. Are they patterns you engage in regularly? Rarely? We'll talk in the next episode about what we can do to shift these two thought patterns into more helpful sorts. If you find the show helpful, please help it reach more people by leaving a rating or review. I'm Georgie Fear, and I'll see you soon. Bye.